It's an all-new era for Formula 4 in Europe in 2022, with the Gen 2 cars, hopefully, set to hit the track in many ways in the coming weeks. Uh, this is the Formula Scout podcast, and we are here to talk about uh, quite a lot of different championships in Formula 4 in Europe in 2022. As ever with Formula 4, there are multiple chassis and engine combinations, plenty of exciting drivers, Formula 1 juniors, and more. So we've got a full house here tonight with Alejandro Alonso Lopez, Roger Gascoigne, Bethany Waring, and Ida Wood. So uh, I suppose we should talk about a little bit about um, Generation 2. We've already seen a little bit of Generation 2 um, action from, from Formula 4 in the UAE Championship earlier in the year. Do go back to listen to those podcasts where we preview and review those. And some of the drivers who raced in those championships will be racing in some of the ones in this one as well. So it's not been the easiest start to life for, for Gen 2 in Formula 4. Uh, and Ida, you've been chasing this for quite a while. Uh, <laughs> ever since things started to, to go wrong and things have continued to go wrong and then other global events have been happening. So with Gen 2 Formula 4, on the eve of several seasons kicking off, with one season already started as well and several more set to get underway in a couple of weeks, where are we at with um, this current era of this uh, category? We are currently set for around 100 cars across the globe racing. At the scheduled time they're supposed to race, maybe only 40 or 50 of those are actually there ready to race um, because a lot of them don't have ECUs. Um, a few of them don't have other kind of spec components. Um, one example we have had is um, they've outsourced some of the manufacturing of certain parts which you can fabricate very, very easily, that you almost have a 3D printer. So when there's been issues of getting supply chains all the way you know across from say japan to italy they can just print it elsewhere or, or fabricate it elsewhere so we're looking at a full grid for the italian championship adacf4 has had a similar issue to italy in that all the teams doing that are technically down for the adcf4 opener as well but the spa franc shop circuit has basically set a cap on 20 cars Therefore, it was kind of like first come, first serve, I understand, of which cars actually got on the entry list. The problem is VAR has already just said that um, all their cars have come not complete. So they've withdrawn. Genza has the same issue, but they're still entering three cars. Um, so we've had like, I think we were set for 25 cars and now we're down to 19 or 18. Um, British F4 were one of the last in Europe to have their cars delivered. But um, because they're actually doing different engines, et cetera, um, different engine tuner um, with the UK, they've been able to get around a bit of that. So that's been fine for them. And then we've got Brazil, um, India, which is probably going to use a lot of the cars Prem already has, in addition to eight, I think, that was ordered by Mumbai Falcons. Um, and then at the very end of that, we have a few other series such as ACCI4, which has not held its first round because the cars haven't been there. So there's a lot going on. Um, but yeah, none of it's Tatis's fault, really. It's just global supply chain issues and they're working to find basically new suppliers 
and change the whole direction of the global map of movements over the next two years. Yeah, certainly. And these, these global supply chain issues, I don't really want to dwell on it too much because it's quite a boring topic, really, for a motorsport-based podcast. But um, there have been issues in, in recent memory with, you know, ships getting stuck in certain canals. And, um, you know, there's a small war going on in, in um, the, the eastern corner of Europe as well, for, for good measure. Um, and, and these sort of things will have uh, impacts, uh, not just on on everyday life but in in motorsport as well and we've already um had a few sort of um near misses in, in formula one terms with logistics um at the australian grand prix being hampered um motor gp has had uh issues with with logistics as well brought on as a as a result of of the war in ukraine and i, I suppose that this could well be um sort of like a, a consequence of that as well but nonetheless, I suppose we should start talking about some some exciting drivers um, and and some very exciting championships. And I really want to kick off with the Italian Championship first, which is probably the it's the championship that you tend to think of when you think of Formula Four, uh, the the longest standing championship as well, um, dating back to to when Formula Four in its uh, in this format, if, if you will, started back in 2014, and you could. You could sort of see that um, some of the drivers who were towards the front in the UAE Championship are set to go at it again in in this championship. So the likes of uh, Charlie Verts, uh, Wharton, Antonelli, Kamara, uh, are they all set to to really just pick up exactly where they left off in 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 Abu Dhabi, uh, Roger? I, I would say so. I mean, I think uh, the names you've mentioned, you know, particularly the Prema outfit looks uh, looks very strong based on what we've seen in, in UAE with uh, with Antonelli, Kamara and Wharton and, and Charlie Vaughts in particular. And Conrad Dawson is is also very strong. <clears throat> I think uh, you know, what uh, Ida was just saying, we don't really know. 100% uh, which of the teams will be doing Germany. It looks like everybody, basically everybody is doing Italy. So that means race GP and US racing seem to be more focusing on Italy this year rather than uh, Germany as in as in the previous year. But, but there are, I think, I mean, some very strong drivers who can challenge, uh, challenge the, Prima, the Prima squad. Obviously, you you touched on VAR not not being able to go to to Spa with with a very interesting young team of of um, of rookies mainly um, with some very high potential names um, some some well known names obviously with Fittipaldi and and Badwa and some of the people we've seen in UAE such as Martinia Stenshorn and then Arvid Limblad coming in later in the year which should be pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I was going to ask about some of some of these drivers, um, Ida, as well, following up on, on that, the likes of Fittipaldi, Barnard, uh, Ivan Dominguez, he, he had a, a very solid run out in, in UAE as well. Um, and, and Alex Dunn as well, who won a highly bizarre race, um, to, to be said. Um, what are their chances of taking it to the likes of Prima or 
are we likely to see the sort of Prima that we were, we've become accustomed to seeing in recent years in, in this championship? But, you know, with the, with the new cars, could could things um, perhaps be a little bit more open than, than um, I'm sort of putting it across? Uh, I think so. Um, the pecking order per se, I don't think will change much because a lot of the drivers who would have signed for the top teams would have done, you know, like 40 days of testing in the old car and the new car, like before the new car arrived. Whereas if you're driving for a small team, you've still got the same issues as always, which is you have less money, you have less expertise in your team, you're doing less testing days. You know, it's a constant cycle. Um, as for the usual order, Van Amersfoort has been the top team really in F4 for the last few years. But part of that has been down to two key staff members there. They've now moved on to different parts of the VAR setup because of the, they've expanded into F2 and F3. And Rick Cassius, who engineered um, Hauger, Edgar, Berman, Vesti, I think. But Vesti didn't win the title, but he's engineered a lot of champions. He's now gone to Formula Regional because he was kind of getting a bit, wasn't enough challenge in F4, which not surprising, he'd be dominating. Um, so he's now gone on to do that. I don't think Van Amersfoort will be the team to beat because of this, combined with the fact that you've got the teams like Kramer that did do um, Formula 4 UAE, and they did it with a lot of the staff that was um, doing the upcoming campaigns, so that had been rotated in. I spoke to Grazia in last October, and she was basically explaining how she was making sure she'd have the staff numbers, making sure those are the same staff, that not only we're going to then do Italian F4, etc., but we're going to be working with the same drivers. So Antonelli, Wharton, Kamara, all those lots should be with the same people they've been working with for the past four or five months. Other people have come in quite late, more likely at the smaller teams. You're not really going to be sure who your engineer is. You've probably only spent like four or five days of them total in the last four months, whereas the UAE guy spent five weeks living with them and another 40 days testing. So I think Prima will still be on top. Obviously, of course, Antonelli is... A huge huge talent so that helps his um chances as well barnard and phm racing tricky one i think in the uae they always look very good because that was obviously consisted of ex mucker motorsport people and mucker looks very strong in the uae with joshua dirksen i think in the past dirksen's looks good in italy as well but the team was kind of um wasn't progressing it was just kind of stuck uh, it wasn't going forward. So I think with PHM, they might have a similar issue. Taylor Barnard is very highly rated by his peers and particularly by um, Dino Scherzer at Cart Republic as well. He really, really massively rates him to the same degree as Antonelli. So he could pose a challenge. But when you've got the might of basically seven cars with Iron Links, Prima, and then you're going to be having um, remote cars testing as well. And then you've got the Indian program and the list goes on. Prime is just a powerhouse for this year. So if anyone's going to understand the car already by the time we get to round one of ADAC in Italian, it's going to be them. So, yeah, anything could happen behind them. Mm, yeah, certainly. And in a, in a field as uh, fleshed out as, as Italian F4 is, and it has been for, for several years, I think it's safe to say that um, irrespective of, I think you, you might well end up seeing the, the, the intra-team rivalry at the front, and then you're going to see an absolutely brilliant scrap um, behind. But on that that intra-team rivalry, Roger, uh, of the the drivers that you know within Prima's uh, stablefall, you know, a huge amount of um, 
expectation and talent and a, a couple of uh, familiar names as well in there. Uh, who is the most likely to come out on top, do you think, out of the, the, the quintet they've got? It is, um, I mean, as, as we've said, you know, the, the riches they have in that, that squad looks, uh, looks, looks very exciting. I think it is going to be you know, a very exciting year. You, you would have to bet on Antonelli, I think. Um, that, that would be the obvious choice. But, uh, you know, both Kamara and Wharton were, were exceptionally strong in, in UAE with, with race wins. And I, I think it's going to be pretty, pretty close at the front. I don't think Antonelli will win every race and, and run away with it. Um, so I could see particularly a duel between him and, and Kamara uh, from, from the start of the season being, being very exciting. Obviously, Mercedes Junior versus Ferrari Junior, or two Ferrari Juniors, if you, if you add Wharton to, to add a bit of spice. Um, Probably Charlie Vaughts may be slightly behind behind those, but uh, you know, surprised certainly certainly me in in UAE. Obviously, did did all the races, but uh, um, his his speed there so definitely not to be discounted. And Lawson was I think uh, one lap away from winning the rookie title ahead of Bedrin last year, so. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't write him off either. So certainly any of those could uh, could could be or should be expected to win races. I think. Mm, yeah, and this is a championship across seven rounds, starting on the seventh to eighth of May. So that is only a few weeks away, but closer than a few weeks away. And we're talking this weekend is the German championship run by the ADAC as ever. And as ever, it shares the same cars in that championship as they do in Italy, the, the Tatia Sabath combination. And as ever, it's also got a slightly smaller field than what you would expect in, in the Italian championship. Um, perhaps still a little bit of a hangover from the the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but there are a lot of very familiar names uh, in, in that entry list compared to the uh, the Italian entry list as well. So, Roger, do we think that it's going to likely be a case of it's very much the same story in, in Germany compared to, to Italy? I think what, what I don't know, and I don't think has been published fully, is you know which rounds people are doing. So everybody or, you know, a lot of the teams and drivers have, have basically said we'll take in some rounds of the German series. Um, and I, I'm not sure who has who has committed fully. Obviously, Jensa have, have committed um, to, to the full season. Um, I think PHM, um, but, but not all the cars. Michael, Michael Salter, of course. Uh, back back for a second year, but uh, of the Prima squad, we don't know. Uh, I'm not sure whether we know even allowing for Spa or whether Van Amersfoort are doing are doing all the rounds. Um, so certainly Spa and uh, Zanvoort are likely to be quite popular, I guess, in terms of experience. But I think it it will come down to who mounts a, a, a full title challenge, and I think even last year Behrman. Behrman, for example, wasn't planning to do the full season, but just ended up 
at the top of the table and decided to continue continue going, or at least that's you know that's that's his story um, and his explanation for last year. So you know that could uh, that could make things interesting. I, I thought Alex Dunn might do more German rounds, but he's now committed to high tech in Britain for for this weekend. So that that's obviously not happening. So I'm pretty sure that Prima won't do the full season. Mm. And and Ida, uh, just sort of like on a, on a wider ADAC F four topic, where where is the the health of this championship at the moment? Considering we we are seeing so many drivers, you know, focusing more on the Italian championship than than this one. We still haven't got like amazing numbers. So we might might end up with with small grids at various points again this year. Of course, with with VAR not not present this weekend um that's obviously gonna have a, an impact so generally where is adacf4 now um compared to where it really should be a tricky one to answer um i think it was a very sensible idea for them to make their first round a non-german round um in this case it's spa francorchamps and it was oversubscribed and they've kind of capped the entry list from what I understand and Italy will do the same. Um, yeah, so that makes it sound very healthy, but all of the interest I was kind of picking up from teams and drivers and people who've been at the tests, everyone was testing at Spa because they were going to race at Spa. I, do, I haven't heard anything after that for, you know, the rounds actually in Germany. So it might be a case of the, you know, that hate to say it, but the drivers who wouldn't be competitive in Italy are the ones that will be committed to Germany which may be good for numbers that may mean you get a regular grid of 12 or 15 but it will inevitably be a lower quality series than Italian F4 when previously they had been very very equal you think back to 2019 where you know it was really really close um other thing is is the, the first two rounds aren't supporting ADAC GT Masters so they're actually off the ADAC bill that's changed a bit of the kind of politicking of being part of the series and the promotion of it because you're under a different banner, etc., um, and the fact that round three is at Zandvoort, that is a big appeal to a lot of teams because they've tested there. Um, it's obviously going to be on the F1 calendar for, I imagine, a lot longer than its current deal. But uh, it's definitely a popular track to go to. The only thing is there is that it's a very physical track, and it's also one where, again, like Spa, with its current configuration, it's going to be dangerous if you have. 35 cars hurtling around there so you're more likely to see a grid of like 17 19 if you do get a load of uh, guest entries or uh, drivers who are only doing part-time campaigns um and of course the other one as well is of the teams that are located in germany and closer to germany they're all focusing on italy that tells you enough about the health of the series when teams are deliberately choosing a further away series to contest that's like you're going for something logistically harder and more expensive purely for better competition. Mm. Yeah. It, 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 some questions I think need to be sort of asked about the, the medium to, to long-term uh, future of this championship. Of course, it's, it's a great championship with, with, with very good um, heritage, good legacy. So it's important that there is it's like a championship in, in that region, um, if you will. Uh, and it's probably 
too early to, to tell really who's going to come out on top because we just don't know who's committed to what rounds and, uh, you know, be it the drivers or, or the teams. So I, I think it's a waste of time me asking you to, to give me a name for, for who's going to be champion. Uh, I suppose now we're going to move on to Britain um, and its Formula 4 championship. And in a bit of a twist, it two will race Attachus a Bath combination this year. Um, I, I, I remember a few years ago they had plans of having hybrid for um, some point in, in this time frame, but that's obviously never happened. Um, but uh, anyway, that's supposed to get going this weekend as well. Ten rounds as ever on the on the BTCC bill. Um, and I suppose this is where we bring in our resident British F4 expert, Bethany, who's been quietly sat there um, listening in. But uh, there are a couple of drivers who, who sort of stand out for me uh, for me from from last year who look like they they could well be contenders. Aidan Neat, Joseph Loke, uh, Eduardo Cossetang. Um, but one of the drivers I think who, who's probably going to have a lot of pressure on him is um, uh, McLaren Junior Ugo Ugo Chukwu. Um, I, I suppose that there's going to be a bit more pressure on on him because McLaren don't tend to have too many junior drivers this year, so. Um, and with the team sort of like you know building up again, it, it he's basically the the main focal point of, of that driver development program. So, uh, tell me all about British F4 in in 2022. Uh, how healthy the championship is, uh, irrespective of having um, GB4 in existence, and and who you think you is likely to to be on top this year. Yeah, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I think it. Uh, I think it's looking really good, personally, and that's not just because it's my series and I'm gonna get excited about it anyway. I feel like um, in re- pretty much ever since I started covering it, at least British Formula Four has kind of been to the side of European Formula Four. Like you can imagine a driver going straight from Italian to Formula Three, whereas from British F4 they've kind of needed a, that stepping stone, which. Um, has mean has meant that a lot of we've not seen as many juniors, the F1 team juniors coming to F British F4 compared to elsewhere, and I think now we're we've really integrate British Formula Four really integrated into Italian, German, and all the other Formula Four championships. Obviously, it's not the exact same because, like you say, it's a different engine and. British Formula 4 is really making a big deal of the engine tuning is being done in-house or something like that. That's their unique selling point or whatever. So it's not exactly the same, but I do think it's more transferable now. And I guess we're seeing that this weekend with Alex Dunn coming and, and competing here rather than in Germany, which is quite exciting for the championship. I think it's a big win for for the championship to get those to get the junior drivers and also virtuosity in high tech i mean we've always had a couple of big team names we've always had carlin um we had arden who have disappeared this year but um getting those two quite big names on the on from the world of junior single seaters i think it's been a Real big win. I think a lot of people are really optimistic about how it's going to go. Um, I don't think it's anywhere near competing against Italy. 
especially in terms of numbers I think it's like half the grid size or something like that but you can definitely see it becoming a sort of rival to ADAC and I think that's exciting always always good to have more options for teams for drivers sorry of where to go to um in terms of who's gonna take the championship I, I I'm not gonna say any one driver because it will be wrong but like Carlin's got a really good field Oliver Gray um doing this for after last year had a really good had a really good year but it was a year that was so dominated by rookies that his kind of what would you typically be good for a rookie for a rookie to do kind of just got ignored so I think Oliver Gray um is going to be one to watch like you say, Ugo, I really apologise for name pronunciations, but Ugo Chukwu, okay, yeah, thank you. Um, I think he, he, he's going to be one to watch, and obviously Louis Sharp's at Carlin too, who we're, probably has the least pressure on his shoulders there, so that might work for him. We've also got, um, in terms of junior drivers, William Jr., Oliver Gray, there we go. We had Oliver Gray, and there's one more who I've not actually gotten around to writing about because I was um, having to do my ordinary work. But I want to say it's um, Daniel. There we are. Yes, it is him. He is a Mercedes junior. So, yeah, we, we've got three F1 team juniors in the, in the, in the field. So that, they're going to be the ones that are going to straight out of the gate have uh, a lot of expectations on their shoulders but like you say Aiden me um one to one to watch as well and I, I don't want to put too no pressure on him at all seeing as he's had um a, a, quite a lot of time away from motorsport but it's great to see Joel Pearson back in the car with Chris Sittman racing which is another team that's new to the championship so Basically, I'm really excited about this weekend. I'm really optimistic about British Formula 4, and I'm just glad we're getting started again. Mm -hmm. Yep, certainly. Do do read up on, on Joel Pearson's journey back to motorsport. It is quite the tale uh, for sure. So, yeah, it looks like Britain is doing just fine, um, despite Brexit, despite GB4 existing, despite... Um, all of the the issues that have been going on with with these cars as well so there is that and I suppose we should move on to France which is a championship where we've already had a round um, that uh, two of those fr uh, first three races were won by Hugh Barter um, so Roger I'm going to come to you uh, it looked pretty straightforward for him apparently uh, at Nagaro um, is it going to to really sort of, you know, set the the shape of the season uh, that round, or will we have a few other names uh, firmly in the mix? Yeah, I mean, certainly Hugh Barter was uh, was pretty dominant. I mean, he was fastest in three of the five um, free practice sessions or private practice, fastest in practice, fastest and his second fastest time were, were quicker than anybody else in qualifying, and two of the, the three races and the third race being reverse grid. So um, you can't really, really do much better than that. I think the only thing he missed was fastest lap in the first race, really. Um, so very impressive start. Now, 
Barter's problem in France is that he will be ineligible for points in Spa and Valencia because he's, um, he's doing the Spanish Championship as well. And the Spanish Championship will run at Spa and Valencia before the French Championship. So he won't be able to score points in two of the rounds. He'll still do the rounds, but um, that could make a championship challenge a little bit difficult. Um, at Nagaro at the weekend, um, you know, two of his expected challengers were obviously Alessandro Giusti, who won last year the junior title, and uh, Elliot Veyron. And both had sort of slightly disappointing weekends, sort of third, fourth, fifth kind of area, but uh, weren't really able to match, uh, match Barto, which uh, was a bit surprising. Justy was certainly the fastest guy at the end of, end of last season. Uh, and and they, were, they were struggling to get on pace. And obviously, Nagaro is a funny funny circuit it's, it's quite difficult to overtake and the tire degradation is was quite high um i think it's quite interesting you know we we talked about adac and the whole discussion last year was how they need to needed to move away from national german circuits to find grand prix tracks and france is booming on the basis of nagaro and ledenon uh, and obviously only has uh, only has one one Grand Prix circuit in in France, which admittedly is one more than Germany. So I, I think uh, you know French series is is booming. There another interesting fact we talked about the Formula One juniors in in Britain. Um, there are two Red Bull Honda juniors in in the French series following on from uh, Iwasa and Sato two years ago. So sent over from, from Japan, having won the, the scholarship at the Suzuka Racing School, now the Honda School. Um, and suddenly Sota Arao, who's probably slightly more experienced, who I think won the, won the, the qualifying competition, looked very quick um, and uh, was challenging Barter in the first round. So I think they're gonna, they're also gonna go go well and there are a couple of a couple of rookies that uh, stood out a belgian guy both up from karting laurence letsetua uh, who was near the front and uh, a french carter edgar pierre who has basically been first or second i think in in the pre-event testing so they looked quite uh, quite strong um Probably one uh, and, and one other name who's who's actually second in the championship is is a second year driver Pierre Alexandre Provost, but basically came into Formula Four having not really done any karting. I think he did half a season or something, so it's relatively inexperienced. And he was uh, third and second in qualifying. So there's a good young crop, and and as we saw last year, they get up to pace pretty quickly. So I think you know, France is really booming and it really is an outlier compared to all the other championships we're talking about, particularly with Britain having moved to the Tatuas. So it's obviously the only one of the ones we're talking about, which is a Migal. And so it it's, seems to be saved from, from the Tatuas electronic supply problems and had a full field of, of 24 cars. And is obviously centrally organised, so there aren't any teams. Everything's run through through the academy, 
um, which um, is a different model, certainly of these within these big four, big, big five Formula Four championships. But uh, I think very, the organizers were very happy. There was a big crowd, um, a good old school track at Nagaro with uh, twisty bits and a straight and a runoff. And then you go onto the grass and then you go onto the aerodrome. So, um, you know, good, very good start. And, you know, Barter is the man to beat, but uh, missing, missing two whole rounds is going to be, it's going to put a lot of pressure on him. Mm, for sure. So that will that will make it all the more impressive if he is able to to come through and clinch the championship, particularly if he is also driving in Attachius over in Spain, um, uh, well, in, and various other countries as well. Um, on on top of that, so I suppose sort of like leading on to onto the Spanish championship, uh, how difficult is it going to be for him to? to jump from, from the Maigal to, to the Tatchis and, and vice versa all the time. I mean, we, um, we've just done a, put out a feature on, on Hugh where we, where he talked through the differences and actually, you know, talking to him at the weekend, um, he felt the difference was, wasn't that big. I mean, obviously he doesn't know the Spanish circuits, but um, surprisingly, I mean, we know how modern motor racing is. The biggest difference are the tires. So the chassis and the engine, he said, you, you get used to it pretty quickly. But the tire performance between the Pirelli and the Hankook is, is very different. So uh, it does take him a bit of time to get acclimatized. He came to Nagaro from a, a Spanish test. I can't remember exactly where that was. And obviously the next round he's going to is Spain. So it, it won't be easy, but I think uh, he seems to be getting acclimatised uh, pretty quickly to the to the differences. So I suppose I should come over to, to Alejandro, who's been sat in, you know, sat in, in the corner, uh, lurking away for, for even longer than Bethany was before we first came to her. Uh, I suppose as our dedicated Spain correspondent, um, uh, I suppose you're in a, in a good position to, to tell us a little bit about Spanish F4 this year. Um, perhaps what to expect from it and, and whether the, the issues that seem to have been plaguing much of the other European countries is um, affecting the, this part of the world as well. Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, as Ida said in the beginning of the, of the podcast, all the teams are lacking cars. I mean, they've just got two out of four cars, most of them. So it's an issue and there are even concerns that they cannot make it to the first round in Porimau in, in some weeks time. So we will see, we will have to, to wait and see what happens. Otherwise, I guess they'll have to postpone the, the start of the, of the season, which definitely won't be a good way to, to kick off the season. I mean, this year they were implementing the limit to four cars per team as last year we saw MP fielding like 10 cars in, in one round or something like that. So they kind of did that in order to, to keep things organized. And we was, um, still we have, a very very large grid, which is is great, definitely. MP 
even managed to to get more cars than than permitted let's say because they'll fill a second team somehow so they'll they'll run for seven entries and yeah we'll have a very very large grid and the battle at the front is going to be it's difficult at this point to to say who's going to be there fighting at the top because there are several drivers which are new to the to, uh, to championship then others aren't but last year struggled a bit so it's going to be interesting to see also as Roger said how he can cope with that change from the Puma, the French championship to the Spanish championship car that change will mark probably his performances and also then we'll see what happens with others like Vladislav Ryabov in GRS who had a, a quite good season last last year also Maxim Arkangalski I think I pronounced it correctly had some fairly good races last year with Drivex so he expected to I expect him at least to be at the front this year and of course, all the MP motorsport cars and the cars in that second team will be some to, to watch closely as MP has been a, the dominant team in, in this championship for several years. Mm, yeah. And, and one driver who I was quite impressed with in, in UAE, particularly at the start of the season, um, before he tailed off, was Senef Pole in for Puvisak. Um, he's one of MP's uh, very very large number of drivers, so I think he could be um, a driver to watch this year uh, and could possibly spring a surprise um, for sure. Uh, I'm going to go through two of the other championships very quickly in, in Europe. Uh, Denmark, that uh, very much still exists. They're running old cars uh, this year, it would appear. Um, they're not starting until the 7th to 8th of May. Um, Ida, is that championship going to be really worth keeping up with, despite the lack of a you know a, a headline name, if you will, as we've had over the past couple of years? Yes, um, I mean I've been following it for years. It's a really good series. They do the night race, um, so they put LED strips on the front wings and they race after dusk, um, which is quite cool. But I think it's because it's like a, an airfield track where you've got total visibility of all your surroundings. You can do that. Um, there's eight or nine drivers confirmed who are going to do the full season. Uh, I think Team FSP has already signed two or three. And um, there is actually kind of off the record, Juju Noda has been looking at returning to Danish F4 again. Um, <laughs> Noda Racing has been inquiring um, about how big the grid is, you know, what's competition like this year. Um, so there is that of interest over there. Um, the thing with the Miguel being, you know, because Britain's not using that car anymore, it'll only be Denmark and um, another series I've forgotten, uh, Formula 4 Southeast Asia. It should actually mean that Denmark's kind of treated a bit more seriously because teams that do have the first generation cars will be using them for testing. And if you're doing enough test days with like a big British team or, um, whatever, you then might consider doing a round of the Danish championship because it'll be very cheap 
um, you do actually get quite good coverage. You get um, live streams and live timing and stuff. Um, the only thing I would say about watching that series this year is the calendar clashes a lot with lots of other things. So people aren't going to be paying attention to it because there's so much other racing going on. Um, and also the fact that, again, like ADAC, but also France, it is mostly in Denmark. So, and that there's no Grand Prix tracks there. So it's not, a, it's not as equal a learning process to be in that series now compared to what it was last year when everyone was Gen 1 cars. And it did have these unique traits that made it a little attractive now because it's an old car it can't just rely on having a night race and having surprise you know Fitzpoldies turn up um so yeah but if you're a fan of junior single seaters do watch it I, I enjoy watching it yeah yeah certainly and I, I love a good night race as well it's, it's sort of um reminding me of the old Cleveland uh champ car race that they had uh, in the in the 2000s but I'm going off on a tangent here um, so returning from said tangent very quickly uh, Roger I suppose now the time is to come to you to talk all about the ACCR F4 championship um, which will be a, a new championship this year that hopefully gets underway it seems like there have been some issues with getting uh, things in motion for that a very small number of drivers confirmed so far um, it seems like the, the opening round has been delayed once or twice, um, but it, it's a very interesting championship in in sort of the, the concept with having a mixture of cars involved. So uh, tell us all about that and what to expect and uh, what sort of shape it's in at the moment. I mean, I think the expectation from the start is that this is very much a building year and just getting it established and and on the calendar so as as you rightly said the first round which was due to be the hungara ring was was uh, was cancelled um because of supply problems and and they knew that from from the start i think from the initial you know even when they launched the championship there were doubts that uh, that they'd be able to get uh, the new cars delivered in time. Obviously, they're small local teams in Central Europe. None of them had done UAE, so they weren't at the kind of front of the queue for uh, for the new chassis. Uh, as you say, it's it's a it's a mix of uh, the Gen Two and Gen One cars. Um, still not entirely clear which of the names we've seen are committed to a to a Gen Two, uh, and if if they don't get at least sort of ten entries, uh, even combined, then they'll continue running it as part of the you know, the Central European, effectively Formula Libre, single seater type uh, type type races. But I think it's it's an important step, and uh, I mean there is. One particularly interesting signing, which is William Carlson, who won the Formula Nordic last year. And one of the intentions have been to develop some, some local, local teams um, from around the region. Um, there are discussions, I think, about having uh, trying to put together a sort of Czech uh, uh, automotive federation back team. I think if they can start bringing through some carters into, into the championship, and it is a lot cheaper. The aim is to be significantly cheaper than, than Germany or Italy. 
So I think as I said, this year it's really getting it established, getting it on, getting the races up and running. They've now announced that they'll combine some of the races with the uh, Formula X in, in Italy, um, which in some ways is a bit of a shame because it means the round in Poznan in Poland is cancelled and replaced by, by Vallelonga. It'll be interesting to go to some obscure tracks like Grobnik in, in Croatia and the Slovakia ring and, and so on. But um, it's good to get it around. I mean, it's interesting. In all the Germany, one of their problems they said was they can only have two foreign rounds. Um, but actually, the, the central European zone is considered a zone by FIA. And, and so they, they don't have that, uh, that same limitation. So uh, we'll, we'll see. I wouldn't, wouldn't expect too much and too huge a field this year. But the important thing is to get enough and then to, to aim for, for next year to really get it up and running. Mm. Mm. Yeah, certainly. And uh, while it is a shame that we, that Poznan isn't on the calendar, it's a circuit that I very much enjoy driving on the sim. And there's even a feature about me driving around Poznan on the website from a couple of years ago um, in cars, probably not too dissimilar to, to Formula 4 cars, actually. Um, I, I think it's great to have, um, you know, races in, in countries like uh, in, in Slovakia and in in Croatia um, as well, just to, to 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 add some international, like you know, pretty strong level international single seat of racing in in those countries. So um, that's certainly a good thing going forward. Uh, this brings an end to the the Formula Four section of the podcast, if you will. Um, and like we did last weekend with um, or last week with um, our Formula Regional. It, you know that, that area kind of um podcast we're going to talk a little bit about formula two and formula three as well um and alejandro has been on the ground for us in barcelona um catching all the various driver changes and things like that um and 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 so forth so it must have been quite a busy uh week for you alejandro in in barcelona the weather wasn't very great there either it would appear um and but we've had some very interesting moves um well moments in 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 barcelona including a double dave signing um at chavruz uh as was announced today and we're recording on wednesday so uh tell us about your your weekend in in barcelona and, and keep it family friendly yeah, definitely. It was an extremely busy week, as you said. I mean, I arrived there on Monday evening, it was, I think so. And I already went to the track. Actually, I, I wasn't supposed to, to be there. I, I found out later, but it was fine. Nobody complained about that, so no, pro no problem. And already had the, the opportunity to speak to some people like Sam Dorsman and others, also Peter Banner, who's managing the BAR team this year in Formula 2. And first of all, starting with MP Motorsport, they seem to be at the very top. Their level is very high this year. I mean, Dorsman try to downplay the expectations they he said like it was 
the very beginning of the season and we shouldn't take that into account too much because you know there are lots of things going on teams big teams are expected to improve as prema had quite a, a slow start but the thing is that Felipe which we got to a very different track to what we were in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia and Felipe Drugovic was again setting the pace in short runs and long runs and it was great he was really on it and I honestly expect him to to be on it for the rest of the season if the car can keep up with that pace because you know he was so determined to to get great results after such a difficult year for him with Verdosi racing. So, yeah, it's MP at the front. Then VAR, who said that we're extremely happy with the, their start to the season. Their pace is really good. They, Banner said that more or less they were confident that the baseline setup was already there so they could get the work on on some other things and that's going to be definitely a good thing for them and also i was i had the chance to speak with jay hughes about the team and about what he expected from from the team and, and the fact that he was really confident and on their possibilities uh, achieving great results i mean perhaps not fighting for for victories in every round, but at least scoring points consistently is the target for them, definitely. And yeah, but also, as you said, Craig, it was, weather wasn't wasn't the best, it wasn't what you would expect from Barcelona. I mean, it was extremely cold. It was actually quite warm when I got there on Monday, but then it was, so so cold and windy on on Tuesday. I mean, uh, I never thought I would be so cold there. Uh, I had to to grab my coat and everything because it was I was freezing and yeah, it wasn't really um very productive day. The general comment between among the drivers what was that the hard tire was so so how it was almost impossible to to get it up to temperature and then you could make it run for like two or or three stints in a full race stint so there wasn't any degradation so it was difficult to to draw conclusions from from it but fortunately for them the last day temperatures were be higher and they were able to get some quality runs and also some long runs done and as i said before mp was already really really strong again with felipe it was a shame for clement as he expected he wanted really to to make to use the test to get used to that switch from hard tires to soft tires but the the fact is that as he put a new set of soft tires he stopped on track so he missed that opportunity i i'm i think he won't be happy about that but that's 
how things go in, in this championship. We've actually seen lots of mechanical failures during the tests. Frederick Besti also in, in the last afternoon had uh, a fill pump issue. Jehandar Bala had to, to stop his long run simulation in, in the last day due to also issues in the, with his engine. So yeah, there were lots of, of red flags during the, the Formula 2 test. That would be uh, something I personally have never expected, especially some related to drivers running off the track because of course you can always go off the track and it's like Barcelona and there, there are many gravel traps and and those points that are tricky so you can lose control of the car but it's still a thing that especially there were three red flags that were consecutive for all of them and drivers going off between in the section between turn five and turn seven so it was quite quite surprising and then also we had the the crash of of Wallubasi on Tuesday morning, which we, we covered trackside, and it was a very big shunt, to be fair. I mean, I mean it's, it was, it's almost it's really understandable that he got hurt because, you know, you go out of turn nine, so a very high speed, and losing the rear there, ending up in the, in the inside wall of, in the stride. That was a, a very, very big impact. I went for a lap around the track. I think it was on Thursday afternoon, I Thursday evening, possibly. And the marks of the of the crash were, were still there. And it was definitely a, a big impact. So due to that, as we as it was announced today, we will have David Beckman replacing him for this weekend at Imola. And yeah, we hope. Definitely to have Chem back in the in the championship very soon, as he has suffered some unfortunate accidents in the in the past few weeks, with also another big crash in the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix free practice. So yeah, I think that's pretty much all from Formula Two, and now about Formula Three. It's also again. MP Motorsport showing great pace. I mean, they were really on it with all three drivers. All three drivers look very, very strong. So if they can continue with such a strong pace, they are definitely a team to consider in the title fight, perhaps, perhaps not to win the championship as we know that Prema have been very strong in, in all the circuits in the past, but definitely we will be there fighting for wins and that could somehow influence the, the final result. And then also we've seen also VAR, the new team, they were really working hard. They clocked lots of laps. They were, they went over 50 laps in, in almost every session. Well, we had four sessions, but they were clocking laps and laps and more laps. They were so, the drivers were so busy. And fortunately for him, for the for all the Formula 3 drivers, we had 
le way less incidents and fail mechanical failures in in their test than what we see what we saw in in the formula 2 testing so just we had a couple of of issues with Matteo Nanini's car in the in the morning of the first day and we also had another red flag which was I cannot remember now but I think it was I don't know I can't remember sorry but uh, we had another issue and then also Alex Moliar in the in the last afternoon couldn't run due to, to technical issues we saw the car in the garage being repaired by the mechanics but they they refused to to tell what the exact issue issue was so yeah and then also we've got quite a few announcements regarding drivers we know that Juan Manuel Correa won't be racing in Imola. Quite surprising, actually, at least to me, he's not being replaced by anyone. I mean, Matteo Nanini was quite confident, or at least he hoped that he would be in Imola if Juan Manuel couldn't recover as he had been called up for, for the test. And he, he really wanted to go out on track with ART in, on a race weekend. So it's a shame we won't get to see him there i suppose but that's how it how it goes and then also we have we have federico maldestiti coming back to the championship with jenser the outfit he was with back in 2020 when he already competed in the fia formula 3 championship he'll be competing for for the rest of the season and as it was announced yesterday and his Starting now from from Imola, a track he knows well and where he already, he achieved a win and another podium in the Italian Formula Four Championship, and then we have Charus. There is a change there. We've got David Schumacher deputising for uh, Artem Simons, who's understood is understood to be enduring some issues with his budget and we will see whether he can put the budget together to to get back to the seat in the coming rounds otherwise that David was was quite happy to to stay in the championship as long as he could do also his DTM rounds which is the championship he has signed for this season and that's pretty much everything yeah you, you covered literally everything um i had hoped you would cover so that is fantastic and i think now is the the perfect time to sign off um been quite a bumper episode i think we've covered a, a lot I had a lot of people here as well so that's fantastic um of course imola this weekend um with with formula two and formula three and there's just so much on at the moment um uh, you know we've we've got formula regional in in action as well we've got british f4 in action uh usf juniors um gets underway as well super formula lights um of course as well so we've got that we've got season previews we've got a feature with joel pearson going up um we're gonna have many more features in the coming weeks as well we're absolutely rammed full of features and we've got more coming on top of that um, which is great for us because we get to do all the writing and it's not so much fun for 
for for those who are doing the the subbing work i'm sure particularly when it comes to to my dodgy uh typing uh but that is that that is this week's podcast done and we'll be back next week with everything that went down in well emilia romagna i was about to say san marino there